The Church, in her wisdom, sets out weekly readings from the Gospels. These readings allow us to follow the life and teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ and the story of our salvation. Upper Room Media presents to you the weekly Sunday homily delivered from Sydney, Australia. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. A simple story we were told when we were younger. In the rural areas of Egypt, there was once, um, as is very common even until today, certain people who were involved in black magic. And for some people, unfortunately, in those rural areas in Egypt, sometimes the black magic is seen as benign, sometimes seen as a way to do tricks, or sometimes a way to help people. And one of these people who was involved in that kind of magic uh, was trying to demonstrate some of his skill. So he was sitting with one of his friends, and he was telling them how, you know, how he can do all these great, amazing kind of feats. And he said to one of them, you know, I can get you a nice, fresh loaf of bread right now from out of nowhere. And the other people in the room accepted the challenge. So he got a little piece of linen, which they saw that was empty and had nothing in it. He bundled it up, said a few incantations of sort, and voila, he moves the, uh, the linen and a nice, literally fresh loaf of bread as if it had just come out of the stove, just freshly baked, appeared right in front of them, smoke still rising out of it. And, of course, they were all, wow. That's, they were all wowed by it. And then someone said, well, do it again. He said, Okay and bundles up his thing, says his incantations, and then removes the thing, and there it is, another loaf of bread. And again, looking super fresh, smoke still rising out of it, looking like it was just out of the oven. Then they challenged him a third time to do it, and he did it again, said the same incantations, but then right in the middle of what he was saying, he stopped, and then he said, I can't really do this again. I, I think I'm done for the day. So the people who were with him you know, didn't really think much about it, till one of them went home. And he saw his wife, and she was telling him about her day, and she told him, something very interesting happened this morning. She said, what? She said, I was by our oven. And you know, in the rural areas of Egypt, you know, everyone baked their bread at their own homes. You know, and they had a little, like, kind of big oven. Sometimes would be outside the house where they baked the bread for the day. And she said, I was baking the bread. And I had several loaves inside uh, the oven. And then I took the first one out and put it behind me. And then I was doing some other stuff at the oven. And then I went in to get the second one from inside the oven. And then I turned and I looked. I didn't find that first one. 
And I said, well, maybe I forgot where I put it, or maybe I didn't take one out and I didn't remember. So I put the second one, you know, for, you know, right outside. And then I went back to the oven to take another one from inside. And then I turned back and I didn't find that other loaf. And then, and then she told him that she said that word that most of us who grew up in an Egyptian household know very well. If any of us has an anxious parent, and I believe all of us are anxious parents, what's the famous word when anyone gets super surprised and a little bit afraid? Bismillah salib, right? That's what she said. And, and then she told him, I said that. And then I started putting the other loaves of bread and just the day continued. Now it's interesting, it's a very simple word. In the name of the cross. That's basically all that word means, right? And it was that simple word which we tend to take very lightly and sometimes even you know, denigrate in a way and associate it with maybe any kind of negative connotation. But it was those simple words that broke the work of the demons. It is those simple words that are always the source of the strength of all of us as Christians. Saint Athanasius, in his writings, one of his famous writings is the incarnation of the word. And he writes in it and says, the proof of our Christian faith lies in the fact that all magic and all source, all work of the demons and everything in the world that is demonic is broken by the power of the cross. So it's kind of paradoxical. The cross stands in the world as one of the great paradoxes that the world has ever seen. It is a simple shape, just two intersecting lines. It is a simple word even when it is said. And of course, today in our Christian world, the cross looks very beautiful, it's very decorative, we have it on our necklaces, our chains, uh, on our, oh, you, you see everything here in the church is decorated by one form of a beautiful cross or another. And we see great beauty in the cross. And yet, when we think about it, the cross originally was neither beautiful, nor inspiring, nor even loved in any way. The cross was an instrument of, ex of execution. The cross, when anyone looked at it, would shiver and shudder in fear because it's someone being killed on it. The cross was not just a, an, an, a tool of execution. It was the tool of execution in the most shameful way possible. It was the way that slaves would be executed. It's not a source of any kind of pride or any sort of, you know, joy. It was the most shameful, horrible, painful death to the point that the Romans themselves 
a few centuries or a few decades, I'm not exactly sure of the history, sometime after the death of Christ, they actually abolished it as a form of execution for being too gruesome and too cruel. So it's an interesting paradox, what we have today as a sign of our faith, of a sign of power. The very sign that was the epitome of weakness and the epitome of shame becomes what St. Paul says, you know, I can never boast in anything except what? In the cross of Jesus Christ. Like, I can't be proud of anything except that cross. And then bear in mind, St. Paul is saying that in the time where they all saw the cross as a weapon of execution, as something gruesome and horrible. You know, think of it today. If you're thinking of a, you know, an electric chair, <laughs> or if you're thinking of, I don't know, the hangman's noose, none of those things inspire anything positive in our mind. But that's the paradox of the cross. And what is even more paradoxical is the very fact that in that cross, it is where we see God. You know, Christ says several times in the reading today and yesterday, he says, when you, lift, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he. And then he says, as we just read a few moments ago, when I am lifted up, I will draw all, all people to myself. So what is it about the cross that draws people in? What is it about the cross in which we know God? Christ didn't say, you're going to know that I am God when I, when, when, when I do miracles. Although, of course, when we look at the miracles, certain miracles, we know it is him, right? But he explicitly says, when I am lifted up, I will draw all to me. In our daily lives, that might not seem logical, but let's think about it for a little bit. Let's first admit another paradox, the paradox that is in ourselves, that despite all the pride we have as Christians in the sign of the cross, and despite the fact that all of us have crosses in our homes, have crosses hanging off our necks, have crosses tattooed on our wrists or wherever, and we sort of exhibit this sense of pride in the cross, alas, a lot of us are very afraid of the cross. We're not as proud as we think we are. Because the real meaning of the cross is one thing that most of us can't bear. I mean, think about it. How comfortable are we in the life that we live today? How afraid are we of, of hardship? How afraid are we of sickness, of troubled times, of persecution, of illness? We're all afraid. We're afraid of 
what it might mean to literally bear a cross. We're afraid of what it means to suffer for Christ. Despite being the sons of the Copts, the descendants of the martyrs, we're comfortable here. We're very comfortable. We have a nice and beautiful, easy life. And all the craze that we have today about getting the right job, therefore getting into the right school, therefore pressuring our kids to do super well in school. And of course, I'm not against working hard in school and all that, but sometimes we have to wonder what goes on in our lives in the craze of the 80-hour work week and, you know, the pushing and the pushing and the pushing just to, quote-unquote, succeed because we want to be comfortable. We want to be on top because to be on top means we're going to have a good life. And then when we look at the basic things where we have to give God of our time, of our effort, when it's inconvenient, we don't want to carry the cross. When in a family, the spouses can't stand each other and they're unable to forgive or they're, not, they're unable to put up with each other's weaknesses, to the point where I can't stand it anymore, I want out, then we don't want to carry our cross. When our children are a burden and they stress us out, and of course they do. I always joke and tell the kids, you'll be lucky if you make it to 18 before I kill you. But, but at the end of the day, it's still the idea of bearing with one another. I remember uh, back in Canada, there was an, a much older servant that I knew very well, and he was a marriage counselor. And he would say, marriage is a cross, and Jesus told us we have to love our cross. So can you consider your spouse as a cross that you can love and you can bear? Now, it might sound a little bit funny, but again, we are afraid of bearing our cross. We are afraid of hardship. So we have to ask ourselves this honest answer, this honest question. Are we really boasting and proud of our crosses? Or is the cross merely decoration? Is the cross merely a sign of our identity? You're trying to say, I'm a Christian, and here's my cross, whether it's tattooed or carried or whatever. But we have to really carry our cross. And of course, now we're in the fast. And during Lent and the fast, the whole issue is following Christ. You know, Jesus is saying in the gospel reading right now, my sheep hear my voice, right? And I know them, and they follow me. They will follow Christ. We will follow Christ if we are his sheep. And yet, where does the path of Christ lead to? Just like in the story of Exodus, 
when we look in the story, and we were talking about this before, this idea of the people of Israel had their freedom. They were liberated from the tyranny of Pharaoh, just like we as Christians are liberated from the tyranny of the devil and of sin. But where does the path of liberation lead to? Into the desert, into a time of struggle and hardship. And that's where we are following Christ. We are following Christ as his sheep into a time of struggle. And ultimately, just like he ends up on a cross, if we're going to follow Christ, we can't just say, I'm a follower of Christ and not accept the fact that his path ultimately ends at a cross. We have to be willing to accept that. But then why? Of course, because there's a resurrection after it. But there's also this one thing I want to leave you with, a little thought. When is the deepest time any of us has ever prayed? When we were in a time of struggle. When is the time that any of us probably felt how close God was? In the time when we were bearing a cross. And that is why, perhaps, I'm just wondering out loud, perhaps that is why that Christ said, when I am lifted up, I will draw people to myself, I will draw all people. Or when you have lifted up, then you will know that I am. I am is the name of God. And we know who God is and we sense his presence, perhaps mostly in a time of trouble. It's when we're really squeezed and we really enter into our inner rooms to pray and ask for God's help. It's at that time when we really sense the presence of God in our life. And that's sometimes perhaps why God allows for these trials and tribulations to happen to us. Because God ultimately wants to be close to us, even if we sometimes are drifting away. The times of trouble aren't the times that make us fall away from God. It's actually the times of comfort, at least in our context today. And perhaps what the persecutions of the centuries in Egypt and in the Middle East and throughout the ages, perhaps what they those persecutions weren't able to do to our faith, the comfort and the easy life and the pursuit of happiness here could do. So finally, let's just say it again. Let's boast in our cross because when we are carrying that cross, hopefully that's where we're going to find Christ. Glory to God forever. Amen. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.